Ooh. Hey guys, welcome to Momhood. Hey! Guys, it's it's Monday. Is this weird? I love, but here's the thing, I love Mondays. Well, you're weird <laughs> that you love Mondays. It's like Motivation Monday. I'm like excited to start the week. I am weird though. <laughs> you're weird. Um, well, we have an episode here releasing on a Monday because for those of you guys that followed us on Mommy Group, you'll, re- you'll remember this interview, but it was so powerful and so beautiful that we really wanted to make sure to share it here on Momhood with the audience that maybe hasn't heard it yet. Yeah, and what I love about Ali Fedotowski Mano is that so many people know her as this amazing mommy blogger. She has this beautiful website. She obviously is from the Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise, but we learned so many fascinating things about her. Her entire life story, she's shared things with us that she's never shared anywhere before. And uh, Ali is a friend of mine, and there were things that she shared with me that I like. remember looking at her and being like, Ali Fedotowski, <laughs> man, like these naughty moments from her past that are just so, they're so interesting when you put them in context of someone's full story. So we talk about her childhood. We talk about kind of an unconventional road to marriage, how she met her husband, Kevin Mano, and then really an unconventional road as well to, to uh, motherhood. She has two absolutely adorable kids, Molly and Riley. And, um, and she talks a lot about sort of the struggle of parenting, with her job, she's an influencer and in, in kind of having them be a part of that and the difficulties yeah. there. But also for me, I mean, Allie is such a businesswoman. She's an entrepreneur. She's definitely self-made. Like you can just like, a lot of things that she has built has nothing to do with a lot of the Bachelor stuff you guys probably think of. Yeah. Uh, just incredible things and a lot of lessons that, that I took a lot away from. So I think it's a really powerful episode. Yeah. Definitely worth resharing. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why we're doing it. And we're doing it on a Monday because it's a little bonus. A little bonus for your week. Yay. Um, <laughs> guys, if you like this interview, please do make sure that you subscribe to the channel so you get a notification when we have a new podcast episode released. And if you are liking it, please, please give us that five-star review that makes such a huge difference and leave us an actual review let us know your thoughts we read them so we really do appreciate it bye let's get into it see momhood momhood <gasps> funny Allie where the heck are you from <laughs> where did you come from where am I from I don't know um no I am from a really small town in Williamstown, Massachusetts, uh, in Massachusetts called Williamstown. The only time people ever know what it is, is I tell them about the college there. So it's a Williams college. It's like one of the best colleges in the country. It's an Mm -hmm. Ivy league school. So that's like our claim to fame is Williams college. Um, It's better than like the best clam chowder or something. Like when I think of Massachusetts, I just think of food. Yeah. 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 Some good clam chowder. But yeah, people like, we always joke when we tell people like, who are from Williamstown that there's more cows than people in our town and oh is that real? I, I think so. And in the whole town there's one stoplight. So like there's one stoplight in the entire town and it's at a three-way stop, so it's totally unnecessary. It's like it's at a three-way stop. Come on, people. Like, let's just figure this out. They're um, like, but we have a yeah, stoplight. Yeah, one stoplight. But yeah, no, it's just a wow. such I think there's a flashing light somewhere too, maybe. Um, Did you know you were from a small town when you lived in a small town? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's the type of thing where, like, kids get into a lot of trouble because there's nothing to do. And I was, like, itching and aching my entire life to sort of break free from there and get out and do my own thing. And, yeah, no, I definitely knew it was a very small town. Like, my high school... Um, like normally a high school, like normally places or especially cities, there's multiple high schools or in towns, there's one high school. 
my town is like so small that like five surrounding towns all went to the same high school. Wow. Because that's the only way there'd be enough people. And there was still only 90 people in my graduating class, I think. Whoa. Five towns and there was only 90 yeah. kids? Yeah. Was the, where the high school actually was, was it far? Like, did you have to bus or anything like that to get there? Yeah, definitely had to bus. It was uh, miles wise. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, not that yeah. far, like six miles or something. No, it, was, it wasn't that far. Um, but it was a cool high school. Like, it was just, you know, here, you know, driving in Los Angeles, yeah. you see. Um, the high schools and there's like bars up and you know things like that and I'm yeah. like oh those poor I mean I'm sure they're great schools but like those yeah. poor kids you know because my high school was like a vast field and like rolling hills and wow. you know Gosh. during gym I would walk the trail and probably get into some trouble and do things <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be doing <laughs> oh my god but um, so where yeah. was the closest big city like like I always say like where was the closest Target or Walmart. The closest Target was probably an hour away. Okay. Walmart, there was a closer Walmart. Walmart's like the one big thing to do. Right. <laughs> I promised to go oh to Walmart. God. Like, even now when I go home and I visit my sister and my mom and brother and stuff, I, like, to my little nieces, it's like, who wants to go to Walmart? Oh, and it's like, it's such a big deal and so much fun because uh, it's one of the only things to do. And that, that's probably, from my mom's house, maybe a 20-minute drive. But it's three and a half hours. So if you're looking at Massachusetts, it's three and a half hours away from Boston. So it's in, if you're looking at Massachusetts, it's in the very upper left-hand corner of the state. So mm-hmm. my mother's house is a pretty much five-minute walk to Vermont and like a 10-minute walk to New York. Oh like God. it's it's completely yeah, yeah, yeah. up in that corner and it's so, like you have to drive over this big mountain where you lose cell phone service to get to my hometown. So it's, a, it's hard for me to get home for that reason. It's yeah. a trek. It's like a full 14-hour travel day. It's like, Either I fly into Boston and I drive three and a half hours home, or I fly Wait, into... it's like, should I go to Australia? <laughs> should I yeah. go to where I'm from? It's 100% true, because it's oh like a layover to another flight to an hour and a half drive from the Albany Airport, which is out of New York, the other one I can go to. So, yeah. And expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, there's not, like, a, a close, big metropolitan yeah. airport, so yeah. you're taking all these little ones. And I went a lot when I didn't have kids, but yeah. now that oh, I have yeah. two kids to lug on a plane, it's... And then in the car, and then in the... Yeah, that's Mm. gnarly. Yeah. What's your birth order? Like, siblings, what's... So, I'm a middle child, and I Me too! Middle child! (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) I am... What are you? Well, I'm the oldest of three, but I think everyone needs a buddy, so I think you should have two or four kids. She thinks... She she thought that I was destined to be effed up because I'm a middle child, and I'm doing my best... I'm doing my best to prove her that we two are normal. See, I'm... I'm, Oh, just everyone gets left out. Someone gets left out. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised that you're the oldest child because you're very responsible. Like, and I feel like the oldest child always has to like be the responsible one because the middle child causes so much trouble. Yeah, yeah. so true. It's that, so true. And my sister, her name's Raya. My sister is totally that like responsible, like tries to keep me in check. Like, what is Ellie doing? That's so crazy right now. But yeah, I'm the typical middle child. Like, you know, how much older is she? She's like four years older, and then my brother um, is like two years younger. So, yeah, like, what's that? There's, like, that saying that the oldest child is, like, didn't, like, I'm the reason. Oh, no, no. I didn't have any rules, and the middle child is, we're the reason why. Do you know that? It's it's almost like the opposite. Like, the older child, from my experience, at least, the older child has all the rules, and it's because of the older child, the middle one doesn't. Because it's, like... At least that's how mine was. Like, they were so much stricter oh, with I've my sister. Oh, I've heard the opposite, though, too. Because the first, you just, like, are obsessed with them. Oh, and we should then, look it up to find out yeah, exactly what quote, it is. We yeah. need to look it up because there is a quote. <laughs> and then, like, the third child is, like, I don't know. 
follows all the rules. Yeah, I yeah. Like the, I can't remember. I'm botching this so bad. But no, um, everyone gets forgotten about. But yeah, I'm a typical middle child. Like growing up, I was always the one getting in trouble. I was the one. Wait, what kind of trouble? I want to oh. know. Like, yeah, sneaking out, sneaking out of the house late at night. And like, this is like what middle school or like not till high school? Middle school too. Middle school. Like I, I was, yeah. I was oh bad pretty young. Um, well, it's so funny too because sorry, Raya and Mike to my siblings, but now I'm like kind of the more responsible one. Like yeah. I, now I'm like crazy responsible with money. Mm-hmm. Like I'm super dedicated to everything I'm doing. Like it almost kind of flipped. But when I was younger. Yeah, sneaking out of the house, like smoking cigarettes. Like oh I was, my gosh. like my mom would come home, and me and my girlfriends, like I would never touch a cigarette now. Yeah. Like never. Yeah, right. Kids don't smoke. <laughs> um, but like I remember, we would be like hanging out the window of my bedroom. My bedroom was on this like <laughs> front porch, like of my mom's house. It was like an enclosed porch, so I had my own door to the outside into my room. Which, Dangerous. What were my parents thinking? Dangerous. And so I was always sneaking out. Like my mom came home one day, and there was like just like cigarettes everywhere and she made us pick them all up and worst thing ever like big but like I was like a really mischievous kid like you know during skipping school always like did you do cow tipping I've always heard about that I did not do cow tipping (laughs) thank god you like tip them over or something but like what we did (laughs) it's funny that you asked that though because like Kevin, so my husband Kevin is from Indiana where it's like, you know, flat lands, not a lot of woods. Whereas I'm from a valley of mountains. I'm surrounded mm-hmm. by okay. mountains, like woods. Like what we did for fun is we would have bonfires. We would take four wheelers oh out into the woods and have bonfires. Like that was sort of like we're, and the, you know, yeah. cops would come and find us because we were bad kids and we do, <laughs> you know, doing all this stuff. And um, whereas Kevin, when I went to visit him in Indiana for one of the first times, uh, I was like, where are the woods? And he was like, what? I'm like, where did you guys, like, get in trouble? And he's and like, hide. yeah, because he was laughing. So he's like, we went to friends' houses. Because to yeah. me, that's what kids, like, in yeah. my mind, that's what kids do growing up. They go in the woods and they uh-huh. totally. are, you know, mischievous yeah. and do whatever they want to do. But, yeah, I I definitely, I, I turned it around I in love my it. life. Like, oh, I didn't even, my, my senior, I didn't go to my senior year of high school. So oh people sometimes ask, like, what were your superlatives? And I'm like, I didn't have superlatives because I did this thing called... Um, senior waiver, I think, senior waiver, something like that, senior credit, something where you go take college classes your senior year instead of oh, yeah. uh, high school Is classes. Is that something that you chose to do? Yeah. Okay. I was just so ready to grow up, yeah. which looking back, I'm like, why didn't I spend that year and go to, you know, all the fun senior things and whatever, but I just so wanted to grow up early, and I like, I'm so worried that Molly, my daughter, is going to give me back this 10 oh times over. Gosh. Um but yeah, so I um, took all college classes at the nearby college. I didn't even take any senior classes my senior year. And the college credit went towards both wow. college credit and my senior year. So it was kind of wow. like really efficient. That's, I mean, you are like the queen of efficiency though. That's so this makes perfect word. sense. Yeah, you are like, no one gets more done in a matter of like two seconds <laughs> yeah. than you. So when you were younger though, let's go back just a little bit. When you were younger, what was your relationship like with your sister? Was she like, cause obviously she was four years older than you. So you weren't necessarily in the same peer group, mm-hmm. but like, was she, did you think she was like prettier than you? Were you like, was there a dynamic of like, like I had an older sister who was like Miss Popular, so gorgeous. And I felt like. I formed my identity very much as a response to her identity, mm-hmm. which came before me. Yeah. Like, did you have that with her? Or was she older enough that you weren't really compared? I don't think I was comparing myself to her. I think she was older enough that I kind of just felt like she was in a whole other kind of league or something yeah. than what I was dealing with. 
And, like, honestly, I think I thought I was cooler than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, so, just because my sister is very quiet. My sister's more yeah. quiet and shy and reserved. And so I was always... always been outgoing and bubbly. Always the loud one. Always the performer. Like, I would always blast Britney Spears and perform for my family. And <gasps> I was always that. Did you have a go-to Britney song? I don't think so. Damn just it. all of them. I and mean, you knew the choreography like, and everything? Probably not that well. Okay. <laughs> I would pay some serious good yeah, money to see, a like, song. a video of Allie performing, oh, like, Baby Hit Me One More well, Time. Well, you know, me and my girlfriends in high school, for our talent show, we were the Spice Girls. <gasps> Can you guess what Spice Girl I was? Oh, Baby, baby. Spice? No, well, I'm thinking the blonde hair. Yeah. No, I was not. I was Ginger. You were? Ginger. Tell me why. I don't know. Is she the naughty one? I think I get I was just a little bit, like... Causing trouble, like oh I was a tri- you know a little feisty yeah. one. So yeah, I was I was. So did you like twice. leave the house and bring a shorter skirt and change and stuff like that? Oh no, I didn't hide anything from my parents. I was like, yeah. did you get a tattoo when you were sixteen? Do you have a tattoo? I do have a tattoo, but no, I didn't get it okay. until I was much older. Um, yeah, no, I. Uh, that one thing is like I was I've always had a super open relationship with my parents. Like That's amazing, never hid anything. Always like. Sometimes, and I, I don't blame my mom because now, especially now that I'm a parent, I know how hard it is to navigate. And I, I don't even know how hard because I only have a one-year-old and a three-year-old and I know a lot ch- is going to change as they grow up. But sometimes I'm almost like, I wish you put a little more boundaries on me. Like, yeah. I just ran wild yeah. when I was young. Like, I did a lot of things that, like, I would be devastated if I found out my daughter did. You Same know? Here. Same here. So I... Um, you know, it's funny to be like, like laugh about it. Like I was mischievous, but like part, like there's a dark side to that where I'm like, oh my gosh, I do not want my daughter doing what I was doing when I was 12, 13, right. yeah. 14. Um, yeah. so I, I wish she put a little bit more boundaries on me. I actually remember my uncle sitting me down when I was like 13 years old. I went out to visit him in Ohio and he was like, you know, um, oh actually no, it wasn't. I was a little bit older. I think it was like 16 years old. And he said, cause I'm kind of talking in circles, but I had a little bit of a hard upbringing with my parents. Like, I had a good life and everything, but my parents got divorced early. There was, um, you know, I saw some things between them I shouldn't have seen. Um, And so my uncle asked me, like, how did you turn out so normal? Like, he was, like, honestly asking me, like, how did you not turn out really messed up? Because to be completely honest, my very best friend in high school, my best friend, has been in and out of rehab her whole life. Like, she, um, yeah, has had a horribly, like, horrible um experiences in her life gone through some really hard things and and sometimes I feel guilty when I go home and I see her or sometimes I don't see her because some people sometimes people can't find her oh my gosh um like that could have been me like what about my life took me in this direction and her in a completely opposite direction like I wonder that all the time um because that could have been me you just think that was so close to your path so close wow. like like were you guys at that age doing everything together and then at a certain point veered off veered off and I think the only reason veered off like so what happened is so I did that thing how I told you I didn't go to my senior year of high school and I mm-hmm. went to college and then I during that time um after that I went to a community college nearby and that's also because my grandmother who my daughter Molly is named after my grandmother mm-hmm. my grandma Molly she got really sick at that point. So I sort of moved in with her and kind of became her caretaker. Oh, wow. um, I think that was the turning point because I was so close to and my all grandma. all responsibility and just caring more and having to care for someone. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I've never even actually thought about this. Wow, you guys are good. It's like therapy. <laughs> it's a trick. It's yeah. actually yeah, we're just gonna therapy. We're just going to sit here and stare at 
stare at you lovingly and you'll never know what comes out. That's interesting though, because I bet that a lot of it's like what Brandy said about the responsibility. There's probably something really powerful in being with someone at a stage in their life that is nearing the end and forcing you in some way to come to terms with like, at some point this whole ride's going to end. And like, it will, it's got to have a profound effect on you, especially when you're developing, your brain's still developing. And the fact that you were so young and thrown into that situation where you chose to be her caretaker, someone that you love and I don't care about. I feel like that almost probably was the wake up call. I think it was. Because honestly, like she got so sick at the point in times where like I would come home at the end of the night or I'd wake up in the middle of the night to her like crying because she had fallen on the floor or she had soiled herself or, you know, that's like a lot of responsibility for, I mean, I think I... You know, I, I'm the very youngest in my class, so even graduating from high school, I was still only 17. Um, I think it was a lot for me to take on at that age, but I wanted to because I did not want her to go to a nursing home. And at that age, I feel like death is so far away, and there's so much, like, yeah. I don't, I didn't have anyone pass until I was out of high school, or like a yeah. grandmother that I wasn't yeah. that close yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know, so for yeah. that to be. Wow. And so what ended up happening is I took care of her for a while, and then, like, I really just realized I couldn't do it long term like she was getting worse and we had to come up with a plan my dad and my uncle lived in Ohio at the time and she was back in Massachusetts where um I was with my mom and my parents were separated at this point and I remember like having the conversation if I don't go do something with my life now like I'm never gonna do anything with my life so it was kind of like I had to make that decision that one I couldn't care for her anymore so she had to go to Ohio to be with my dad and my uncle who are her sons Mm -hmm. so I can go live my life and be a kid and do what I need to do and I needed to go to college so that was sort of the I graduated from community college um, and then I decided I needed to go to college so I went to a college Clark University and I ended up graduating top of my class Wow. That, like, literally, they didn't assign a valedictorian. They didn't do that at my school, but I graduated with the top DPA in my class. What? So, and the reason I think that is, is because I wasn't there four years. So my freshman year and my mm-hmm. sophomore year, where most kids are learning, kind of goofing around, learning they can go to parties and be on their own, I had already done all that. Yeah. So I got that out out of the way yeah, early, yeah. and I was there to kick butt. So I, like, studied my butt off, like... Got straight A's. And I'm Uh, sure that there was something about the fact that you made the very conscious decision to say, I can't care for her anymore because I have something important to go do. Like, so it was like, it wasn't just like a kid going because they have nothing else to do. Like, you stopped caring for your grandma, which you took, which is an incredible thing that you chose to do to begin with. You took the huge responsibility on to do it and you probably made the very difficult decision to say, I can't. So it's like, you better fucking kick ass because you stopped caring for her in order totally. to go do this thing. Yeah. So and it two meant years so much is more. huge. You know, the fact that you've already, like you only have two years to prove yourself and to get through college. Yeah, yeah. I've Did be- your family support that decision when you were like, I'm going to go to school? Were they like, good, go? Or oh, was there- absolutely. No, they, if anything, like, I think that's what they were, what was pushing me. Because they were like, you can't do this. Like, what are you doing here? You know, yeah. at that point, like, I got my first apartment when I was 15 years old. My boyfriend was what? older, so she was Wait, able to what? sign for it. Yeah, so Wait. I moved out of my. I know you guys are like, who we have are to, you? No, we have to rewind a little bit. Okay, yeah. so so you're in you're in middle school or maybe now for you because you were younger, fifteen. You're just in high school. Yeah. You. I want to just do a quick little recap, a little bit on in middle school. Aside from you personally having fun, getting in trouble, all that stuff. Were you a theater geek? Were you playing sports? Like, what were the things that you were doing? Were was, those things happening? I was. So this is the thing. Even though I was like, you know, you kind of based on how I'm describing myself, you're like, oh well, she must have been in with like sort of the misfits, right? Mm-hmm. 
I was actually a soccer. I was in varsity soccer. I got in varsity soccer sophomore year, so mm-hmm. early. Yeah. Um, mo- you know, I think there was one girl that got on, um, my friend Kate, who got on freshman year. Um, but yeah, I was part of the popular girls. Like, mm-hmm. the soccer girls were the popular girls. And I remember feeling like I did not fit in with the, my group of friends. Because really? I had joined that school. I had come over to the school um, a little bit later. I think it was, oh, fourth grade. But at fourth grade, mm-hmm. these things are already happening. Yep, 100%. So I remember fourth grade, I think I was just getting my bearings. And then fifth grade, I remember the popular girls took me in. And I always remember feeling like I did not belong. So I was mm-hmm. always sort of like, ugh. Like, clawing my way up, like, trying to stay relevant with the popular so girls, you know? Um, and there was this girl, Kate. Um, hi, Kate. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening. But Kate was, like, the super pretty one. So nice. Such a good soccer player. And, like, the guy who I was in love with loved her. Ah, and I was like, no! I loved her, all that stuff. So, yeah, I did, I did have that. But at one point... I think maybe sophomore year, I kind of broke away from the popular girls, mm. and I started hanging out with more of the, I don't want, they're great girls, so I don't want to say misfits, but more of the misfits. Yeah. And that's when, like, my, I became super close with my friend Caitlin, who I said yeah. had some, uh, went off and um, has had Struggled some issues, struggles yeah. uh, since. But, um, yeah, so I kind of went off, and that's when I sort of started getting into, like, more bad things. I, I moved in with my boyfriend. I was 15. So was he I, your first serious boyfriend, or did you have boyfriends My first serious then? boyfriend, So yeah. was he your, also your first kiss? No. Okay. She's like, like, did I mention the woods at 12, yeah. Brandy? Did you not hear that part okay. of my story? Hopefully you guys listen to my story. Yeah. So this is where I'm coming from. No, no, no. Yeah. I was kissing my bonfire way before that. So um, your first year's boyfriend is two years older than you. You're 15. Yeah. I, and he has I his own I, apartment too? No, we moved in together. So oh, wait, I, I was 15. I think I was. Ju- I think it was like days before I turned 16. So we could say 16, but technically I was yeah. 15 when we first moved in. Moved in. Um, so yeah, we got a place. And I actually think you only had to be 17 to sign at the time. I can't really remember. I don't and even know your, how we got this place. What but did your parents, like, you're moving just, out of their house in with a boy at 15. And you're living I, with your mom because your parents have separated. So your dad's in Ohio at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. don't think my parents knew how to handle me. I just think I was so strong-willed. I was so, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. No one's stopping me. Like, you know, my, my parents were battling their own demons, mm-hmm. you know. Um, my mom, you know, would be vocal about this, but she has struggled with severe depression her entire life. And, you know, she had her own demons and battles she was fighting. Uh, but yeah, I did that. And then I like, I remember when I was like 16, 17, I lived in this big like fraternity type house with a bunch of other kids. And like, and you're still going to high school mm -hmm. as we know. Yeah. No. How did your siblings feel that you left, you moved out? I was just thinking that, especially your younger brother. Was he like... He's so straight and narrow. Like, he was such a rule follower and still is to this day. So I think he is was just like, that's Allie doing her thing. I mean, to this day, my, my, my brother and sister are like, you know, the more like straight and narrow, like follow the rules. And they would still to this day be like, that's Allie because I'm just yeah. the off the handles, do what, you know, whatever makes me happy, fly by the seat of my pants type of thing. Um but yeah, it's crazy. This is so fascinating. Uh, my mind is my mouth is spinning just like right open. now. Just like because I was saying when you and I were talking on the phone yesterday, I was saying I'm so excited to get to the full story because you and I are friends. Yeah. But I feel like I only know the today alley. Yeah. Like we've been through a lot. We're friends, but like I don't know your whole story. This is so fascinating and is already starting to like take shape. I feel like so much in who you are. Oh my god, this is this so is, good. Okay. So were you in love with this guy? 
Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was... Like, so, because I'm from a small town, too. Yeah. Very small. And I'm just thinking, like, were you thinking you're going to marry him? Mm, yes, absolutely. Um, I don't even know how I finally... Po- I think he kept... He There was this girl um, that he, like, would cheat on me with all, uh, oh, all uh. the time. Or, or he would, like, break up with me and go hang out with her and, like... She liked him too, and I think one day I just snapped out of it and woke up. It's like, I think it's like it for any person. You always say to your friends, get out of that relationship. They're never going to listen, but one day they're going to wake up and say, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Yeah. And that just happened to me one day, and I was like, what am I doing? And Wow. Is this like but, two years later, or how long had you well, been with him? Been, I think we had been together, I don't know, three years mm-hmm. maybe, four years even on and off. I don't know. But I do know that I went to college, and then when I went to college, I actually started dating this other guy who had got... So this is also where things really turned around for me as I started... I always say, like, love actually really helped my life and being a hopeless romantic uh-huh. had really helped my life. Wait, love actually helped your life or the movie Love actually helped your life? <laughs> I literally thought it could go no, either way, so... Love helped my helped life. Helped you okay. I was like... Or being a hopeless romantic, rather, yeah. because I started dating this guy um, when I went to college. It was two hours away from my house, and he lived, like, in my hometown or the hometown next door. Um, he got into um, PhD program at Stanford. So this is how I ended up in California. Oh, okay. Wow. So, and I was going to college in Massachusetts uh, at a place called Clark University. And so I would fly during breaks and go visit him in, in Palo Alto, California at Stanford while he was getting his PhD in like microbiology. I mean, this guy, he oh now is a neurosurgeon. This guy is super smart. Oh my gosh. Um, so uh, I got... After I graduated from college, I followed him out to California because I was just like this guy, you know. So like me being a whole and you've been so ready to like grow up, get out of the yes. small town, go anywhere. But was California on your radar since no. you okay? Because no. you said you like to perform, you like to you know you're bubbly and no. I thought like maybe I'd end up in like Pennsylvania, <laughs> you know, like I'd get a little <laughs> bit out of my, not like New a York. big Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, okay, New yeah. York terrified me. Never okay. New York. Like I thought like you know. Something like I'd be in Philadelphia or something. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I followed him out here uh, to California and lived with him and like I think I got like those like temp office jobs. Oh yeah. Like while I was out here with him, um, living in his apartment. So I'm sorry. How old are you at this point? At that point, you I'm just 21. graduated. Okay, so you just graduated graduated high school. Okay. College. College. I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. What did College. you major in? Psychology. So I majored in psychology with a um, like my focus. And my thesis was on marriage and family therapy. So I studied relationships. Wow. And that's why I always think it's funny that I ended up becoming the bachelorette is because I've always been fascinated with love and relationships. And um, like the professor, Dr. Cordova, that I studied under, his thesis is about a thing called marriage checkup and studying emotional intelligence uh, with partners and how they communicate and how that affects their marriage. Like emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence is being able to describe your feelings rather than saying, I'm mad, I'm mad. Yeah. Well, you're not mad. You're... Are you hurt? Right. Are you confused? Are you frustrated? Like, use more descriptive words. And basically, on how well you can actually describe your emotion, that's how emotionally intelligent you are. And so that's what I studied in undergrad. And I would interview couples. And um, it was really, really cool. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so interesting. So, um, did you always want to major in that? Was was some of this inspired by seeing your parents' relationship? Probably. I mean, it wasn't uh-huh. like a conscious decision. Yeah. I think I majored in psychology because it was the easy thing. Like, I was just like, sure, yeah. psychology, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, I just didn't really know. I think I didn't have any other real focus. But 
I did, um, so I came up here, was was with that guy. I did at that point when I realized our relationship wasn't really going to work out. Um, I did apply to Virginia Tech to their PhD program for marriage and family therapy. Mm-hmm. And I got in and I thought I was going to um, continue. Continue. I thought academics. I was going to be a therapist yeah. for, for couples. And when I started looking into the salaries for those people is when I decided to go another route. <laughs> wow. Those yeah. Seriously, a marriage and family therapist who can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their PhD could seriously, in somewhere like a small town on the West Coast, make 40 grand a year. At least 10 years ago, that's what it was. And I was like, if I'm going to spend hundreds of thousands, even 30 to 40 grand a year, if I'm going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a PhD, like, it's got to be for something. It's got to be a return Obviously, I wanted to help people too, Mm -hmm. but I was like, this this doesn't make sense. These numbers don't add up. So I was like, what else is going on? And I was living in Silicon Valley, and I heard of Facebook. Right? Like, I knew of Facebook because I was in it. I had it in college, but I heard that Facebook headquarters was right there. And I was like... Oh my gosh, Facebook headquarters. And this is, so when I was in college, my junior years, when Facebook first sort of came out yeah. to all mm-hmm. colleges, right. um, I'm trying to think what year, probably 2005, I think mm-hmm. that was, 2004 maybe. Um, so this is basically like 2006, 2007, right? So it's just a few years wow. after yeah. Facebook yeah. sort of became mm-hmm. a thing. And I was like, I need to get in with this company. Like, I'm going to do whatever. So I would like mm-hmm. kind of like down the downtown area in Palo Alto. I would like hang out outside of their building. Um, and I ended up becoming friends with some of the people oh that worked there. Genius. And so good. Yeah. So was like I found them on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I found out where they were checking in. But I basically in. like stopped and hung out around the building. Became friends with the people that worked there. Got invited to like go to lunches there and stuff because they had a cafeteria. Um, yeah. Um, went to lunches there, and then I found out that they had a soccer team. And this is over like a year period. This is not like something that happened. So instantly. the boyfriend that you moved there for, I would just imagine that the investment there, you know, you obviously were in love with him. Was that breakup crazy? And then you, how did you afford to live yeah. by yourself after you guys broke up to then pursue like working at Facebook? Yeah. So those office temp jobs that I was doing, uh-huh. I got into one where I got a permanent job where it was writing customer satisfaction reports for the IRS. So like, <laughs> this is so random. <laughs> I know my life is weird. What? Oh yeah. Customer so, satisfaction yes. reports? So the IRS the hires these consulting agencies. I, yeah, PCG <laughs> Consulting is what I worked for. And so we would take all this data that these people would collect by cold calling uh-huh. taxpayers and yeah. that go through different things like oh either audits or whatever. We had different categories and like ask them their level of satisfaction. Nobody was satisfied ever. Of course. It's the freaking IRS. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I did that, and I met a really good friend there um, named Sarah, who I ended up, after this relationship ended, I moved in with them for a little bit. And they sort of helped me get on my feet. And uh, that guy who I was dating, he actually was, like, addicted to video games. So, like, that's sort of how our relationship ended up, like... World of Warcraft. Have you heard of it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine if it was now, he'd be like a Twitch billionaire. Yeah. Right? All <laughs> these kids make so much money now. Minecraft. Yeah. I mean, now he's a neurosurgeon. Another one. Yeah. <laughs> you just looked at me so like. <laughs> okay. I know Sorry. a lot about yes. a video game addiction. Yeah. So, got it. Okay. So, that's part of the reason that you guys ended up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny because he's a neurosurgeon now. So, like, he get, did something yeah. with his life, but it turned in a way where he, like, I'd wake up to go to work and he'd still be up playing the video oh game. Gosh. And I'm like, okay, like, I need something else. Yeah. Um, okay, so back, so you, you are going people. to lunch. Going them. to lunch at Facebook, yeah. 
Um, there was another boyfriend in there that was stationed in Germany, and I'd fly out to Germany to visit him. So there was that whole section of my life, but that's Whoa. like, meh. I honestly almost forgot about that. That's like, meh. <laughs> um, I love that. And sorry, then, <laughs> If you're listening, yeah, sorry, meh. <laughs> um, but uh, then I, yeah, so I. I found out by going to lunches at Facebook that they had a soccer team called oh the God. Facebook Falcons. Oh my God. And the Facebook soccer team was lacking girls. They needed girl players. So they were opening up their roster to people who didn't work at Facebook. And what position are you? I have to know. Midfield. So I, I was the first. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> so I joined the soccer team and um, from there, so I'm like really networking hard. People. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so the, the thing team. is you play soccer. It's not like you faked and you're like, I'm yeah. a softball player. Oh, if it was a softball like, team, I would, have it. It. <laughs> I would have figured it out because I just wanted to work there so bad. It was the coolest company. That's awesome. Um, it is the cool one of the coolest companies, obviously. Yeah. And back then, it was so cool. Like, so it was an early startup. It was just so many smart people. Um, so I did that. And then there was this guy. guy and this is the the guy, guys. Oh. Um, the one, like, heartbreak guy that, like, broke my heart. Oh. Really, that we all have one, yep. right? The yeah. one that, like... Still to this day, if I hear his name, I get like a little uh, in the pit of my stomach. Like, you, you <laughs> caused me so much pain. Um, so I met this guy, Jared. I'm totally calling him out. But Jared invented the like button. <gasps> so Jared. What? Yeah. He came up with the idea for the like button on Facebook. Like, so. Oh, my God. I think him and maybe a couple of people, like a team. Yeah. But like, he, yeah, that's his thing. And believe me, I've heard him many times use it as a pickup line. <laughs> Jerk. No, but I was like, I would like you. Yeah. <laughs> with his thumb out. Loser. Yeah, with his little thumb. Loser. <laughs> He's like, this is the size of my thumb. So Jared totally, like, he pulled out all the stops, like, won me over. I mm-hmm. fell for this guy, and I picked me up on our first date. He had a convertible. I could, he, like, he sold his first company for, like, multi-million dollars. Like, oh I was just so – and I didn't know he had money when I met him. It was until he picked me up for my date. I was like, oh, my God, a convertible? Like, I couldn't believe it. Or not even convertible, a Corvette convertible. Oh, my God, stop um, So I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, what age is he? Uh, I don't, he was a few years older okay. than me, and I was, like, 23 maybe at that point, 24. Um, no, 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 no. I was like 22 because our relationship went on, I think, for like three years. Um, and he, I was in love. Oh. Like, I was so convinced I was going to marry this guy. Like, he was the one. I, I had to be with him. I would, I spent so many nights crying over this guy. Oh. He would literally tell me, you, I don't want to be with you. Like, you need to be with someone else. And then the next day I'd be like, can I come over? And he'd be like, sure. Oh, God. I was oh, so gosh. dumb. Like, but I... I lost friends over this relationship. Like, what was it about him? Do you know? Have you been able now with some time? And was it him or just timing? Both. Like, you're at Facebook. This is a dream. This yeah. guy's so smart. You're like, finally, this yeah. is the one. Like, you've yeah. already dated a couple frogs. You're like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Or was it Actually, him? Actually, I just realized, real quick, sorry, to finish the story, um... I met him on the soccer team, but I also, from being on the soccer team, someone on the team, Slayo, got me, I think it was Slayo, I can't remember who, someone on the soccer team got me an, in, an interview at Facebook. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so they always say, speak. like, we'll get yeah, you the Yeah, I just assumed, yeah, then you're... We'll get you the interview, but you need to get yourself the job. Like, so I always say to everybody, like, yes, you can network and stuff to try to get an interview somewhere, but you have to be in that interview and get yourself the job. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. That's how I got my job at Facebook. I remember when I got the call that I got the job. I was driving in my, I had a Honda Civic and I was driving down the road and I had a sunroof and I 
pulled the sunroof back and Black Eyed Peas, I got a feeling, oh, was playing on the radio. Oh my god! It was out of a movie, this, this scene. I threw my hands through the sunroof and I was like, wow! Oh and just screamed god. at the top of my lungs to Black Eyed Peas playing. <laughs> I See, it. like, I was so cool. It was the best phone call I think even better than even getting the call to be the bachelorette of like my life, like well, getting had, that job because I worked yeah. at it for so long. Yeah, that's probably what is so. That's I think such a great takeaway is just you had your eyes set on an opportunity and you didn't know exactly how you were going to do it, but you just got yourself in the space with the kind of people you wanted to be working with and the kind of environment. You, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's a really great lesson for people when you think about like if you know maybe an industry that you want to work with. That's why I always think like interning can be such a great thing because like just get in there with people. Just be around them, get to know them because if you are a good person, easy to get along with, you have a a sense about you that you're going to be hardworking, that you're going to be responsible, people are going to offer up your name when you're like, I think that's such a really, and that must have been so satisfying to be like, I I, it I did it. Like, yeah. I did this on my own. You did it, it on your own. You're from this tiny town. Now you're working for one of the like most sought after companies. Yeah. And that's why I love that saying that good that luck is when opportunity meets mm-hmm. hard work. Yeah. Because everything you did was with honesty and integrity. Yeah. But you made it happen for yourself. Mm-hmm. That must have been such a great moment. Yeah, what was the was, job? So I was an account manager for like our online advertiser. So there was different tiers. There were people who handled like the Pepsis and the Britney Spears and the Coca-Colas of the world. And then people who handled the middle level people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think St. Ives was one of my clients. Yeah. And so when advertisers, it's obviously a last change since then, but would advertise on Facebook and depending on their budget, if they had a medium sized budget, medium size is like 50,000 to 500,000. Yeah. Um, uh, I would help them optimize their ad campaigns. So I think that's it's so really interesting. Connected. I was able to take yeah. that experience of knowing what people like in wow. ads on social media and use that experience to turn my business as a social media influencer mm-hmm. into something very successful. Yeah. 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 I mean, so that's insane. that's a that's a crazy connect the dots. And yeah. I know that and, you mentioned um, the Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise, but what's interesting is when you became when you were on the Bachelor and then became the Bachelorette, this was before an influencer thing existed. Yeah. So you absolutely used all of those skills that you learned at Facebook to be as successful as you are now. Yeah, like it's so like different. you didn't have anything handed to you. I mean, this is yeah. so yeah. far away from the idea that someone would pay a bachelor or a bachelorette to do something and before yeah. dancing with the stars and all of that. Yeah, people are pretty surprised when they realize sort of how I've taken the bachelorette stuff and turned it into a business because you're right, none of that existed yeah. back when I did it. And one of the reasons I decided, like deciding to become the bachelorette was single-handedly the most dis- difficult decision of my life. And you wouldn't think so, right? Yeah. Easy decision, become the bachelorette. Awesome, let's yeah, do yeah. it. But I had to leave my job at Facebook to become the Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. I worked so hard for that job. Right. I and that's a guarantee. For, that is a job. <laughs> and I had stock. I had stock in the company, and I had to give that up to become the Bachelorette because I. So, so what happened is I was working at the job at um, at the Face. tax t- taxpayer satisfaction reports. Um, okay. I was working there. I applied to be on the Bachelor because I was unhappy there. I was dating that guy Jared already mm-hmm. before Facebook. Yeah, before I got, got my it. job at Facebook. Got so I met Jared on the soccer team. I was already dating him. Okay. He was already making me very sad and making me not fulfill, feel fulfilled at all in my life. And I needed to get out of that relationship. I didn't know what to do. So my coworker, Luciana, was like, Allie, there's a show, The Bachelor. You need to watch it. I love it. It was Jason Mesnick's season. I watched it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I love this. I want this love. Oh, my God. So when we were at work for the taxpayer satisfaction reports, I applied online. 
And what season kind of, of the show it. is this at this point? Jason Besnick's. But like, what is that oh. in the course? Is that like, that's he like was, the first five years of the show? Uh, no, he was the Bachelor. I was the Bachelor at season six. I feel like he was oh, fourteen. So. No, he's thirteen because I was in season fourteen of the Bachelor. Okay. Yeah. I know, it's been going on. I mean, it's on, like, season 30 now or something. Like, between both shows. So, sorry, Um, so you apply online? Yeah, so I apply online, and I forget about it, right? Then I get my job at Facebook. I go start Mm -hmm. working at Facebook. And eight months after I applied online, I get a phone call. Eight months. So it was a long time. So a lot of times when, like, in the Bachelor world, they're like... How you, you were dating somebody? How did you become the bachelor? It's like, well, no. Sometimes lots of time gets mm-hmm. passed before you yeah. apply and actually go on the show. So at that point, I was working at Facebook, and I went through the steps. At first, I thought it was a crank call when they were calling me. I'm like, there's no <laughs> way. Like, what is going on here? Um, but it wasn't. And they asked me to go on the show. So I was working at Facebook. So I said to my boss, I was like, look, this is just a cool experience. Like to me, Los Angeles was like fairy tale land. Mm-hmm. I'd never right. been to LA. I, I was in, in San Francisco. Never been to LA was like, oh my gosh, this would be the coolest thing ever. I would love to just, can I have like two weeks vacation so I can go down and like do this thing and get sent home probably right away. So <laughs> she was like, it was hard to was get that two weeks. Was she familiar with the show? It wasn't nearly as yeah. big at that point. Yeah. So nobody really batted an eye at it. Like, it's funny, it became a big issue in Facebook after. Like, after they realized that I went on the show and what a big deal the show was and that Facebook was going to be a storyline on the show, oh, it got, went up to, like, PR and Facebook, and I had to have all these meetings with these high-up people in the company, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> oh, no, so, funny. I thought, yeah, I'm going to be gone two weeks, and I had just started working there, so I didn't have two weeks vacation. So, after a lot of begging, they let me do it. Well, the show, one, is two and a half months long. Right. And I, got, and I left at number four. So if you can imagine, that two weeks... Were you allowed to make phone calls? So what happened is I was on the show, and then like time went by, and I said to the producers, I'm like, um, I need to call my boss, because I'm not supposed to be here anymore. I didn't think (laughs) he was going to like me. (laughs) Put it this way, I didn't wear makeup at that stage in my life. I didn't wear dresses. I wore jeans, graphic tees, and Converse. That was my uniform. That's what I wore every day. Like, maybe a little mascara, no foundation. Lipstick, heck no. Like, I was a tomboy. So I thought... I'm not going to make it far on the show. I'm going to go on the show and get sent home night one. And when I saw all the girls on night one, I for sure thought I was going yeah, home on night one. Like Glamazons. Oh my gosh, she's the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. And anyway, they the producers were in touch with my bosses and they let me stay a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And then finally, like once we reached hometowns, they let me work remotely. So you were not- you falling in love with him during this? <laughs> Yes and no. I thought I was, but not really. Okay. You know, I definitely felt it was real in the moment, but then, like, as soon as I went home, I was like, I didn't love that guy. Um, But, uh, so, yeah, I worked remotely, and then, finally, my bosses were like, if you don't come back, you don't have a job anymore. And I get that, because... If you know how hard I worked for that job, yeah. and you hadn't and even been there that long, I had, I've only been there like up two months or something. Oh my and if, gosh! And if I would didn't want to come back for that job, there was a thousand other oh, people that would, for sure. you know, waiting in line. So I was, I just said to the bachelor at the time, his name was Jake. This all played out on the show. I said, if you, you're a pilot, if you care about me, if if it's me, come fly and get me after this, but like, don't make me give up my career. I worked so hard for this, mm-hmm. so that was my storyline on the show, and I was so proud of that storyline yeah. because I wanted to show that, like. Women don't have to choose between yeah. having a career and mm-hmm. being a wife and a mother and finding love and having that happiness too. You can have both and be with a man who will let you have both. What God, that's what, was the storyline, quote, quote, storyline, just you said everything that you said and it ended up being packaged perfectly to be a storyline or was there a plan in advance 
with the producers to say, I have to go. And they said, let's, let's put it this way. Like, was it literally like you said your thing and it just turned out to be this like powerful storyline? Like the yeah. natural, normal conversation that you had with him turned out to kind of be a perfect. So this is after Hometowns? It, yes, right after Hometowns. Okay, so he meets your right family. Up, and meets then my family. You and then I had to tell him at that point. That's my mm-hmm. bosses were yeah. like, you got to come home yeah. like tomorrow and come to work or you're, you're done. Right. And, and it's funny, we were in San Francisco. Like that's where we like were after Hometowns. I don't even know why. Can't remember, but um, so yeah, I had the conversation with him, and he was just like, "Okay, sorry if you're leaving, you're leaving." I don't know that they played out like "come find me" after this. Like, yeah. I definitely think I said that. I don't think that aired, but yeah. it definitely was a like, "I have to go back to work" yeah. storyline, and it played out. And I was like, "I'm so sorry." It was like a really hard decision for me on the show, okay. and it was because I did think I was falling in love, honestly, mm-hmm. during the show. And you made friends there, right? Yeah, well, at that point, you're separated from everybody. Oh, okay. Once you're in, like, the top four, they kind of separate you, and you don't see the other people because it gets really awkward at that point. Totally. Um, but, yeah, so I left the show, and I went home, and the day I got back to my apartment, my boss calls me, and she's like, we're going to let you stay. Because at that point, it had oh. gone to PR, and so PR realized. Go, like, oh, my gosh, yeah, me too. Well, PR realized this is probably going to play out really bad for Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's, like, it shouldn't have. Facebook was in every right to do what yeah. they did. Yeah. Um, if anything, I feel like they should have made me come home a lot sooner. Yeah. They were very, very nice. Um, so they're, they're like, you can stay. And at that point, basically, they let me call Jake back and say, can I come back? And he said no. Um, but at that point, it was like, whatever. Did and that air? Yeah. You calling back? Aired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It aired. And he Whoa. was like, sorry, I've already, you know. And the producer told me later that he was going to pick me. I was going to be the one that he was going to choose in the end. Gosh. If um, if I had stayed, thank God though, like, because oh yeah, yeah, oh gosh, thank goodness. Have, yeah, um, so many things you wouldn't have yeah. if you did that. But I would imagine too that like when you're saying like I I at the moment thought that I was in love with him. I always wonder with whenever I watch things like that, specifically The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, that like it's such a human, it's such a, a part of our like human nature, that competitive nature, and like when you're in the environment, I wonder how much of it is seeing it clearly, and how much of it is like I want to win. And so you, like, let yourself go there and, like, do the whole thing because, like, whether you acknowledge it or not, we're such competitive beings. You want to be chosen. You want to be chosen. Yeah. So it's like you kind of got to go for it. And then, like you're saying, once you separate and you're out of that element, you can see it for what it really is. And you're like, it wasn't really Well, even just what you said, I just go back to not even the winning thing, but you are separated from... You know, your phone, mm-hmm. email, you can't watch books. television. Yeah. yeah. No music, no books. Exactly. The only book you can have is like a Bible, like a religious book. Like it's its own world, its own culture. So I always go back to that. It's not even, I would think a lot of people, it's not even about competitiveness, about, you know, you're yeah. just, you're in this own weird yes. space. And the only and person you can connect with is this one person. So yeah. you connect with him. You know, and that's so and everything is set up to be a successful connection. Yeah. Well, the producers too, like they want you to just talk about that person on stuff. So you're hearing these other women talk about how great this person is, and you're like, wow, he's really great yeah, because so and so is saying he's so great. So totally. I think he's so great, and they're put on this pedestal. And that was actually one of my biggest fears of becoming the Bachelorette is that they, that the producers were going to put me on that pedestal. And that wasn't I wasn't that great. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that was like one of my biggest fears. But anyway, so I said tried to come back on the show and the next day they basically said do you want to be Mm -hmm. the bachelorette and at that point I had to decide if I wanted to stay at Facebook or not because they were not going to let me go oh my goodness so it was that soon after that yeah so all this had gone on all this crazy emotional and I had to decide and I remember I had a conference call with some of my very closest friends all around the country we like all dialed into this conference call and uh 
talked about like the pros and cons of each and I ultimately decided that if I didn't go do the bachelorette that would be my I would always You'd wonder, always wonder right I'd always wow. wonder like is this how I'm supposed to meet my husband my kids whatever and even though I didn't meet my husband on the show I wouldn't have met my husband if I hadn't gone on the show because I later met my current husband my only husband. Yeah, my current husband. <laughs> my current. one husband. Yeah, he might not be my husband later. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but on a TV show that I got after The Bachelorette, which I never would have gotten if it wasn't for The And every decision, so. I think, that you make leads you to where you are right exactly. now. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so it was, a, it was a wild ride. And because at that point, I only had been at Facebook. I had been at Facebook for less than a year, so I didn't invest in any of my stocks. I didn't get to keep any of my stock options. Um so I, you know, that and, would have been worth. And also, bit. if you're listening and you're thinking, Allie, why was that such a hard decision? This is also before that, before they would choose someone from the show to be the Bachelorette. No, they right? they were already doing that at that point. But it was a hard decision because this is before everyone was making a bazillion dollars yeah, after coming off it. the show. People weren't doing anything after the show. This was before like. You're, like, Instagram didn't exist when I was on The Bachelor. Didn't exist. Twitter maybe just came out. Facebook was around. I remember I posted my first Instagram post after The Bachelorette. It was a photo. Like, I think it was of me and Roberto, and my caption was, testing this thing out. Like, oh I, God, I thought it was hilarious. just a filter app where you, like, filter your photo yeah. and then post it to Facebook. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's wow. what it was to me. So, yeah, Instagram didn't exist. Yeah, this it was. Influencer so you made this decision on love. Love. Because, yeah. anything, like, I was giving up the money. I was giving up the stock. So that was the money to me. That was the decision. I made it purely based on love, but, no, I shouldn't say purely, mostly. Mm-hmm. I was not stupid, and I knew that possible TV opportunities yeah. could come up after this. Anybody who goes on The Bachelor and Bachelorette and claims that, like, there's no ulterior motive is a liar. So, yes, I did, it was not just for love. I knew it wasn't for money, but I also knew there was cool experiences yes. that were going to come from that. And especially now, the people who are honest will straight up tell you, oh, yeah, a mattress company wants to pay me $10,000. So this is what Dean, uh, I was talking to Dean from The Bachelor the other day, and he's like, I couldn't believe it. A mattress company was like, I'll pay you $10,000 to post about our mattress. He's like, I had never seen that much money yeah. in my life. Yeah. Like, never mind in one post that it would take me a half a year to make that much money. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so, And you were talking about when you were younger, you were always like performing and putting on shows. So the yeah. idea that you could have a career yeah. in TV is something that you wanted and this yeah. was maybe a way in to create even, that career you wanted. I think it was going to be a career to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. I just thought I was going to get to do cool, cool things. things. Oh, yeah. Like I thought I was going to get to like go on Ellen, go on Jimmy Kimmel, oh, 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 which oh, I, I did. You. Yeah, you know, like, and I was like all of these really cool life experiences and I knew I was good at public speaking. I was voted best public speaker in my Ooh. public speaking class. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so I knew that I was good at that. Like, even at Facebook, like, when people, you know, my skill at Facebook, not only my normal job, like, I did okay, I did well, but I actually did some training stuff there. Like, I was always good at talking to people and leading yeah. a room mm-hmm. and a class and whatever. So I knew that was a skill of mine. So I thought maybe it could turn into like a few cool things here and there, but yeah. never in a million years that I think here I am, ten years post Bachelor. I was on it in two. I was the Bachelor in two thousand ten, um, and I was on the Bachelor in 2000, um, 2009. So ten Whoa. years ago, did I think I would still be working in television and be out here in Los Angeles and with you a full on career? With a full on career in TV, I never in a million years thought that. That so let's go so into career a little insane. bit because you've built a really interesting career. So let's let's go from the Bachelorette's over, sort mm-hmm. of the press junket of doing press that's solely related to that 
is done for the mm-hmm. most part. What's the first like job job where you're being hired as Ali Fedotowski to host something or to whatever it is? Yeah. What does that look like? So there were a few opportunities that happen afterwards. As you guys know, in Los Angeles, um, a lot of times you can sign on to do a show as a pilot and it never gets picked up. So yep. there was like a show on the Style Network. Remember the Style Network? Yes, um, As a pilot that I got chosen for. Like I auditioned with all these other people and I got chosen for... Um, then the style network basically disappeared after yep. that, so that never ended up going to air. But that was very—I remember—I was so excited about that when I got that. Um, and then it, it was just like appearances here and there, going and doing something for extra. And I was living in San Diego at the time with Roberto, the guy who I had gotten engaged to on The Bachelorette. Got it. Um, and then our relationship was not good, and we split up. Um, from that split up, People Magazine asked me to do. Basically, they were hearing all these rumors. I'm telling. There's a point to this. Um, they were yeah. People Magazine was hearing all these rumors, and they're like, "We're going to write a story, but we want to give you the opportunity to speak because the rumors they were hearing were very negative." And I was like, "Negative oh my gosh. in general, or about you specifically, or what?" About me in general, just like nasty stuff that wasn't true. Um, so I'll, I, I didn't really want to talk about my relationship publicly, but I kind of felt like I had to yeah. to address those rumors. Um, and they were really nice about it. They weren't like. Or else, talk to us. It was just like, hey, we want to give you the opportunity. So I did, and I did an interview with them, and it ended up being the cover of their magazine um, about the breakup, our breakup. Um, And the reason this is relevant is that the producer of a show called First Look on NBC, a travel show, was in the grocery store and saw my face on the cover of People magazine and saw, oh, here's this girl that just got out of this engagement that's on the cover of People magazine. She's the perfect person to host our show because she's going to want to travel, she do get cool out things. there, do cool things. <laughs> <laughs> I is so no longer engaged. Oh my gosh. So I got a call from my agent that this show wanted to hire me. Um, so they did. And I traveled the country for a year and a half, like drinking and partying and eating and going to all the best restaurants and bars and Michelin star restaurants. And oh. just, it was really, it was hard. Like it wasn't fancy. I didn't get to fly first class or anything. Like yeah. I was flying coach, which normally is fine for one trip. But when you're on an airplane every three days, it's a lot for a year and a half. It was so much on my body. Even if you're flying first class, that's a lot on oh anybody's body. Um, so it was really difficult, but great. So I did that. That's actually how I met, ended up meeting Kevin um, on that show because I filmed it in Chicago and that's where he was living. Um, but yeah, so I got that. And then after that show. Um, while I was doing that show, E News randomly called my agent, like because I was I had filled in for Juliana. And at a this point, times. you're excited about being a journalist, hosting. Like that's yeah. where you see your career going. Journalist is a you know loose word for what <laughs> I was trying to do, but very <laughs> <laughs> kind of you to say uh, yes, a journalist. That's very <laughs> kind of me. Uh, I just wanted to be a host. I just mm-hmm. wanted to have fun and be myself and be like I was always comfortable in front of a camera. It was came very easily to me. Um, so yeah, E! News asked if I would come on to E! News, so I asked First Look if I could get out of my contract. I loved oh. doing that show, but I was just so done with traveling. Um, and I was actually honestly very sick at that point because I was eating so much like fatty, decadent food. That's actually when I stopped eating meat after that experience. Because that was part of your job on the show, was going to these places, trying these new foods, these experiences. Eating a 9,000 calorie burger. Yeah. Like yeah. one time. Eating a po' boy sandwich that t- weighed 10 pounds. I and mean, even I never just the, got into the it, wear and tear on your body traveling yeah. that much. Yeah, yeah. So then I went to E! News and then from E! News um, I kind of was like, okay, I'm sort of done with TV for a little bit and took a break and that's when I started my family and then that brought me into Home and Family on Hallmark yeah. Channel with Orly and now we work together. And now we work together. <laughs> and it's funny because we worked together at E! Yeah. But for yeah. a short while, I remember so vividly doing the Oscars Countdown show and 
we were doing something out by the pool at the Roosevelt Hotel and you were hosting it with someone else although I can't remember who the guy was but it was the two of you and I was doing like a style segment and then afterwards there's like this party and it's when you think about it when I think about it now I'm like man that was pretty fabulous but there was this party afterwards and all of the like talent doing all the different red carpet stuff went to the party with all of the like e execs and all the like people that you try not to act like a fool around and (laughs) me you Kevin at that point maybe yeah Kevin at that point because I met Kevin when we auditioned for the fabulous he and I auditioned together so Kevin at that point because I already known Kevin um and my husband and we're all up there talking and talk and I was talking to you about like how is it because I was brand new yeah our show hadn't aired yet they let me do the stuff on E as press for what was coming mm-hmm. and I just remember being like you know how do you like it how is it here mm-hmm. like feeling somewhat like maybe I could have a normal person to talk to because everyone else there had been on E forever for and so felt long. felt like these famous scary people like yeah Juliana was like Juliana and Kat was like Kat and like everyone was like and I was like oh okay no I know Allie because Kevin told me about Allie we shared a cab ride together and I just remember being like feeling that like instant like okay I'm gonna have someone here I can talk to about this stuff yeah I want to go back to Kevin your Mm -hmm. husband because you met him when you were doing the first look show in Chicago you said yes okay let's talk about how you met so we met, when we met, he was in another relationship. So we met, um, the producer of my show uh, was, um, is his best friend. And I was doing like a cooking segment, like a cooking class. And they asked him to come on and like be my co-host for that class. So that's how we met. And he was in another relationship. Um, and so we were just friends. But, like, it was the type of thing where I met him and I was like, God, this guy is so cool. Like, yeah. we're going to be best friends. Like, this guy is going to be my best friend because, like, part of me, I'm not going to lie, was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, he's just <laughs> taken. taken. <laughs> like, like, I was like, but I was like, oh, whatever. And I was so busy. Like, this was when I was 27 and it was the year of my life. I mean, I was traveling the country. I was kissing yeah. random guys in bars. <laughs> like, I was just... Because I had spent, I just remember I came off this relationship. Well, one that was after Roberto, which was like a really not great relationship. But then before him was that guy Jared, who yeah. like I had, mm-hmm. I had been so my whole life I'd been down. giving myself to men, yeah. giving myself, and I was like I was so done with giving myself to men. I just oh, wanted to live for me, and so it was so perfect that I got to travel. I remember like walking down the streets of New York City, like. And this guy texting me who I'd like made out with in the bar the night before. And I was like, I'll, I'll text him back later. And like pumping up my music and like just feeling like I was so strong. Mm-hmm. And like I, I remember repeating out loud to myself when I would walk around the city. Like you are strong. You are amazing. You've got this. Like you are that. a kick butt woman. I would say it out loud. And I just remember feeling so empowered. So I, at that point, yes. Yeah, so when I met Kevin, that's kind of the headspace I was in. Then I think I, think I had finished first look at that point. And then I, um, my, or maybe it was at the end of first, like I can't remember, but I think the producer told me that Kevin, um, was no longer like in his relationship. Uh And I was like, Oh, okay. And he had come out to Los Angeles at that point and he was hosting my husband as a radio DJ in Los Angeles. And then he's done a lot of TV. He did like a live show on MTV for a few years and then he hosted a show called Abby's Ultimate Dance Competition. It's oh Abby God. Lee Miller's, like, spinoff show. Oh um, so he hosted that. So he was out in L.A. doing that, and that's when we, like, connected. And it was instant. Like, literally, he came over for a date and never left. 
They oh never God. left. I think he tried to once, and I was like, <laughs> you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Honestly, like, he, because he came, and he, like, never left, and then it was a few months, and he'd been, like, we were living together or whatever, and he was like, I think I should probably get my own apartment, and I was just like, if you get your own apartment, like, I'm done. <laughs> because at that point, we were, like, living I mean, it was, together. like, taking a step back at yeah. that point, but hey. So did he you know? Me. Like, once you guys were in that place, like, he was here and you were like, don't leave. Did you, in your mind, like, okay, done. Now I know my I knew my right away. I knew right, like, the first time that we, like, went on a date, I knew right away. It was such an instant connection. And the reason that I knew um, that it was, like, forever is that there were no games. So I try mm-hmm. to always tell, like, when I talk to single people or anybody, like, a friend who's, like, even waiting for the text went through a divorce and dating again Mm -hmm. anybody um yeah waiting for the text or like should I text now I'm like if that's how if that's how this is going like this might not be your person because it like I could not wait to text him and he could not wait to text me Mm -hmm. back and it was just Mm -hmm. non-stop back and forth like you know I, I I would like I think like we said I love you like a couple days in. Like, it was, like, ser- it was, like, instant. It's one of those things. Yeah, those, and yeah. it was, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, so I just incredible. think at that point, like, we just really knew that we were supposed to be together. And you had done your traveling, so at this point, you're like, I'm ready to find someone. Yeah. Or, like, once you met him, then that's immediately how you felt. Yeah, and that's when I started working at E! News, and then, I don't know, a couple years later, we bought a house together. Like, we bought a house before we were engaged. Then we got engaged. Whoa. Then we got pregnant while we were engaged, so we had to postpone the wedding. And then we had a baby. Then we got married. Then we had another baby. Did you always know you wanted to be a mom? Always. Like, if you had asked me when I was young, like young, young, 14, what's your biggest fear in life? I would always say not being able to have children. Really? Always. My whole life. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a mom. Like, um, I don't know how good I am at it now that You're a great mom. (laughs) We're all great moms. I know I'm a great mom, but... You would think, though, that, you're, like... You're a great mom, and you have a really great partner who, like... Such a great partner. Yeah, who I feel like when I see you guys together, he, like, you guys understand each other's strengths. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you're you're lifted up in the things and the areas that you're really good at in your dynamic as a family, in your role as parent, as mom, and there are things that he's really good at, and you don't feel, or at least it doesn't seem like it, mm-hmm. guilt or insecurity saying, okay, that's your thing, you're great at that, you can do that, like... You guys have a really nice balance where it's like everything gets done and everyone gets supported by delegating, mm-hmm. sort of. We, at least that's the way it seems from yeah, the outside. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I'm glad that it appears <laughs> that way. <laughs> no, I mean, I do think it is that way. Like, we have very non-stereotypical gender roles. Like, a stereotypical mm-hmm. gender role, and I'm mm-hmm. saying stereotypical because it is a stereotype nowadays. Every, there's all different roles for mm-hmm. everyone. No role is better than the other. Um, but normally where the man, like, kind of takes on more of the financial responsibilities, the work out of the home, and the woman more does the home mm-hmm. stuff and the cleaning. And for the people who have those roles, that's great. So my best friends have those roles. Our roles are just different. Yeah. They're not better. They're just different. Um, I am more responsible for the finances. Mm-hmm. I'm the breadwinner of the family. Mm-hmm. I take care of the mortgage and the re- we just refinance our home. I took care of all that. Yeah. I take care of um, all of our investments, uh, bank accounts. Kevin, on the other hand, does all of the cleaning, all of the laundry, most of the child care, to be honest, because mm-hmm. um, I'm working all the time. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I haven't picked up a vacuum cleaner. And, I mean, if I did it, it was like... 
because I thought it was fun and Molly wanted to play with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, wow. it, it, like he does all of yeah. the cleaning. Last time I tried to wash a shirt, it turned out tie-dyed. And that is not, and it, that's not, <laughs> How a, not a DIY. That is not a DIY, Harley. I know you do great tie-dye. No, but it was oh like, God. like that's a true story. I'm not just saying yeah. that. So I, yeah, we have very um, different, you know, I, and our, our roles work. Like, it all just sort of works. And, you know, if I need something, like, you know, anything like I'm like I need content for my blog he's out shooting it for me or whatever it may be um yeah we have a good balance I'm really really lucky he's so wonderful that's so awesome but I love what you said Orly it's just it takes two like I all the time I think my sister's a single mom like how do single moms do it I don't know because I need my husband to be able Mm -hmm. to make that like that harmony happen I truly I don't I don't understand like I I I don't know I, I would love to to talk to one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. tell me how you get through this. And I feel like every single mom I've ever talked to just says, like, you figure it you out. You figure it out. Yeah, you, know, you, you make it happen. You kind of take on as much as you can, right? And then yeah. I think what ends up happening, as I've noticed, is, like, for instance, in my business even, that I was sort of doing it all myself. All my – I still do all my Instagram myself, but all my blog myself, like, editing every blog, yeah. uploading all the photos, all the links, getting everything ready to go. And I finally hired someone to help me with more of the logistics, like, doing – Maybe if I have returns to do or yes. doing my links or editing my blog posts. And I thought, oh, I hired someone. I, things are going to slow down for me. And no, it's just gotten – I'm more crazy than ever is because mm-hmm. you, you take on what you can, yep. right? Like once you delegate something to someone else, you're like, oh, I can take on more. So yep. give me this more stuff. It sort of just all happens that way. But still, I don't, I don't know how single parents do it because I, I would not be able to function without Kevin. What kind of mom are you? Let's talk about the relationship that you have with your daughter, your son. Um, you said you wish your mom had set more boundaries. So yeah. are you trying to be more of a stricter mom? Or do you take that into consideration when you're parenting them? Yeah, I think I am a little bit stricter. I'm definitely more strict than Kevin is, I think. Uh-huh. Um, I think they're so young at this point that I don't quite know how I'm going to completely be Right, yet. when they're old enough to sneak out of the house or try to. Gosh, oh like, gosh. I don't know. I'm thinking, like, chastity belt, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, handcuffed to the bed. I mean, at night. I feel like knowing you and your beautiful house, there's going to be, like, a really sleek, smart alarm yeah. system <laughs> that, like, if the door opens, the window, you're just going like, to chill. Yeah, you're going to be standing there, like... You have an idea? You do yeah. have to do something? Yeah. No, totally. Um, by the way, Brandy, you are a rock star. You're over here with Sunny, your little baby. You're just like sleeping in your baby character or carrier <laughs> while we're doing this. It's like, this is like motherhood right, right. here. Yeah. I know. With your son doing a podcast while he's sleeping. It's so cute. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely more strict than Kevin is, I think. Um, I beat myself up a lot. And I know, like... About what? Like, what are your, your things? Working that you, too much. Mm-hmm. I'm always working. I never shut it off. Like, and because of the nature... Don't get me wrong. I To be an influencer is the greatest thing ever. And I'm, yeah. you know, use... I, I don't know what to call myself. Influencer. Um, it is the greatest because I get to work for myself. I get to work with brands I and love. Be I get to be myself. I mean, it's yeah. great. But the problem with it is that... Being present online is my job. So I'm always like having to be present on Instagram stories and, you know, and I love it. But then part of me like ends up hating it sometimes because I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to be on all the time. So 
recently I had to take a whole break from social media. I took four days off, which is like crazy for me. Mm-hmm. I did not open my app. I did not go on. I didn't post anything. And it was nice. Like I needed that like yeah. break to be able to feel. Because you know, anybody who works in any sort of creative field, you guys know this, the fatigue comes. Oh man, big time. And you have to, I mean, in any job, not just creative field, and you have to sort of step back. But I don't, I'm, I'm guilty. Of, I'm hard on myself because, for instance, I didn't see my kids yesterday, you know, like, I, and today I saw them for a little bit this morning and I haven't seen them since and, uh, like, but the thing is, I think it's because I was so with my kids all the time earlier on in their life. Like, with Molly, she, nobody watched her until she was nine months old. Like, not even for an hour. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, nobody's watching my child. Nobody knows how to take care of her. I'm the only mother on the face of the planet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Totally. So, I think now that I'm realizing, like, letting go a little bit. I'm, I, like, feel guilty, but then at the same time, I'm like, wait a second. I'm so lucky I don't have a 9 to 5 every day. Some parents have to go to work in the morning and drive an hour there in traffic and then work till 5 and then drive another hour home and they see their kids for an hour at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Yeah. Like, I have to remember that and, like, feel so grateful for that and, like, not beat myself up by the fact that I wasn't with them all day long. I think it's more about I'm constantly trying to remind myself it's more about quality time than quantity. 100%. Be in it's so hard. Like I have a really hard time putting away my phone. Like all of it. We talked about that the other yeah. day, or yeah. about setting time Trying frames. To, yeah, Ali and I were talking about this. About is there a way for us to still feel like we're accomplishing what we need to while creating these like barriers and these time where like okay, I only answer. You know, I only do social media. We were talking about like maybe like the first twenty minutes of every hour is like cell phone time. Answer a few emails, go on and do an Instagram story, and then the next forty minutes you just say no because you know another twenty minute chunk is coming soon. But the problem, and I relate to this so much, is you know my computer that I edit on is right behind us, mm-hmm. and this is our kitchen, our living room, and our dining room, mm-hmm. and. I am sitting there and the kids are running around and there's plenty of time where I'm like, guys, I can't hear. Like, and I find myself mm-hmm. like, this, they're not in an office, yeah. but I'm treating them like they're in an office. Like, yeah. be quiet, mom's work. And I feel like such an asshole mm-hmm. anytime that I do that. And But I have to try to remind myself of the times where I'm, uh, like you, I'm present with them and I'm with them and we're at baseball practice and we're on a walk and the funny conversations in the morning and getting them in the car and making their breakfast and the car rides to school and like the sweet 20 minutes when I pick up Blake before Connor gets let out Mm -hmm. of school and like all of those things those things uh Brandy and I on one of the podcasts we did Brandy and Ami and I something came up that you I feel like would be helpful this mom talked about how she tries to find one moment in the day where like she did good And that's the moment at night she, like, is grateful for. Like, just Mm -hmm. one moment where she's like, I had that sweet moment. And she's like, and it actually forced me to find a sweet moment in the day. So if I felt like the day had gone on and I hadn't had a sweet one, I went into their room at night and I just, like, rubbed their head and I said, so that I would have that moment at night. Mm -hmm. So, like, it forces you to, like, all you need is one. You know, like, one more little, and it's just the sweetest thing. Also, I think the beauty of parenthood is that, like, tomorrow is another day. Yes. So many things that we stress about today don't even matter tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, like, you have that chance to make it up to yourself, make it up to your child. And, like, things that we stress about today don't even matter a lot of times yes. the next day. 100%. So besides what you just said, what it has been, I guess, the hardest part of parenthood? You know, and, and like, I yeah. think you know about Mommy Group and kind of why we formed yeah. this. But I always talk about how... Um, you know, moms before me gave me so much advice about things they wish they would have done differently or 
um, lessons that they've learned so that, you know, a new mom like myself can learn from their mistakes. Mm -hmm. So what has been kind of like the hardest part of being a mom um, and something that you've learned from it? I mean, I think just kind of what you just described, Orly, losing my temper. Like, mm-hmm. that's the hardest part because then it happens and then I beat myself about it, start crying because I think I'm a terrible mother. Like, it happened this morning. This morning I was driving Molly to school. Her school's a mile away and it took me almost an hour to get her there this oh morning with traffic. Oh my gosh, LA traffic. And it's over one of the canyons and for anybody who's ever been to LA, yeah, and you can't walk. terrible. Yeah, it's, it's not safe. Yeah, it's, yeah. it was horrendous. And so, and then I had this uh, work thing that I had to do and I, all these emails were going back and forth and I was trying, and, and then like I posted something for a brand I was working with and then I had to take it down because it was the wrong thing and all this stuff was going on and the, after this long car ride, which poor Molly was just so, you know, a kid being in the car mm-hmm. that long in traffic. Like, they don't get it. She was, like, very upset in the car. And then we finally get to school. And I had to do something on my phone in that moment because I was putting out fires of all mm-hmm. these things that were going on. And Molly starts crying. Mommy, I just want to, like, get out of the car. And I was like, Molly, stop crying. Like, and I, because yeah. I was so oh, overwhelmed in that there. moment. Mm-hmm. And, like. I literally looked at my phone and I looked at Molly and she wasn't throwing a tantrum. Yeah. She wasn't being a brat. Tears were, co- I'm going to cry even talking about it. Tears yeah. were coming down her face. And I was like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I literally took my phone. Oh. I, th- I know. Don't I worry, we cry purse. all the time. I, know. <laughs> I threw it in my purse and I was uh. like, this is not the mother that I want to be. My mm-hmm. poor daughter. I got out of the phone. I took her out of the car seat. I just hugged her and I was like, it's okay, honey. I'm so sorry. That is the hardest part. Yeah. And I'm sure I know every mom can. It's like funny because it's like sometimes hard to. Orly <laughs> and I always cry. Yeah, yeah we always it's cry. hard to like um, admit those moments, especially publicly, because like you don't want to be perfect. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's not even perfect, but it's like oh, I yelled at my poor you daughter also, that was shedding a tear. She wasn't even being a brat. You also want to know that you're a grown up enough that you Thank can you. separate the two. Yeah. And that you're not letting, like, all of these things bubble over so that you... It affects how you have a relationship with your daughter or what you say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is, like, especially when we're little, we think that when you're a grown-up, when you're an adult, you can compartmentalize Mm -hmm. all of these things. Yeah. And, like, she didn't do anything wrong, so why would you, you know, feel that way? Yeah. The thing is, too, that I think is hard to admit is, like, it's almost easy to admit it once, like how I did just now, but then it's, like... Well, when was the last time I did that? Mm-hmm. Was it a, was it a couple days ago? Yeah. Was it a week ago? Was it a month ago? Like it's almost like sometimes even when I do admit it on social media, and mother, other moms will comment and say like, "Oh my gosh, I did that with my kid too. Thank you for sharing." I'm like, but I'm not gonna share it again at least for a month. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Because it's like it's okay to lo- it's okay to lose your temper once in yeah. a while, but if you do it if you do it every week, then mm, maybe you yeah. have a problem. But you know what? Sometimes it is every week. Yeah. You know, like. That is, like, the hard part to admit. You know, it's just, I don't know. There, it's Motherhood is hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard because we have all of these um, sort of expectations for our own behavior, the way that we yeah. think looks good. And, like, when you feel like you're, like, really on your stuff and you're like, oh, I played with them and I made a good healthy dinner yeah. and I had all the patience in the world and I read them. The, you do all the things and you're like, that's my idea of me being a rock star mom. And so when you don't fulfill those things, you're overwhelmed with, these feelings of failure, even when they're in these slight little ways. And then when they're in bigger ways, like losing your temper, it's emotional for you too. There was something that Brandy put up on the mommy group podcast. That's completely changed the way I look at when my kids are acting a certain way and I'm going to butcher it, but it was something like when your kid has a meltdown or a tantrum, they're not doing it intentionally to drive you nuts. It's like when you have 
a meltdown or you would never melt down in front of colleagues or Mm -hmm. friends you would never choose to cry in front of your colleagues you would never choose to lose your temper with your child like just the same way that something happens in you it's happening to Mm -hmm. them which I found the other night Blake was doing something and she was and I wanted to just be like Blake like I like I felt Uh. it coming and all of a sudden I literally like saw the Instagram (sighs) post in my head and I was like there's something going on with her because she's not trying to do yeah. this she's mm-hmm. un, she can't control what's going on and I had all the patience in the world and like that she calmed down and it was gone yeah. and it was like yeah. I felt empowered by that moment because I wasn't I didn't lose my temper so I wasn't out of control I was like in control of the moment I actually remember Orly we were at a park you, I ran yeah. into you at a park you, I, yeah, remember, yeah. I remember you had a hat on and you looked really cool because Orly's so cool <laughs> she's a cool mom she is cool like I'm not saying that like sarcastically like Orly's one of the coolest people ever so like she's you know she's got her like band t-shirt on and ripped jeans <laughs> yes and her, and typical her, yeah maybe her, like a tie-dye plaid yeah, like around the waist like her big like wide brim oh, flat hat um, so and I remember it was like one of my first times because I was a new mom I just had Molly I think at the time I definitely had Molly and I mentioned losing my cool mm-hmm. on Molly and you told me like oh my gosh yeah I remember you told me some very candid story about like really losing it on your oh, kids yeah. and I was like oh my gosh like, Orly does this. Like, yeah. it's okay that I just did this. Like, it was my... And I realize now, like, now that I'm more in motherhood, I'm realizing more people... But you were honestly one of the first people that, like, wow. said to it tell to you. me. Like, it's yeah. not always perfect. And then I felt, like, better about myself, especially because you're so cool. Yeah. <laughs> in that moment. But, yeah, it's just... It's such a trip. I don't know. I mean, and it's so funny how we can focus on those bad moments so bad. But, you know, I, last night before bed, Molly was like... I'm so happy to have you, and I love you, mommy, oh and like God. all these things. And like she does that so many times a day, and it's like it's such a one moment one. of their being. We are so hard on yeah. ourselves. Such we always focus one. on the one thing that yeah. we're. It's dumb. Yeah. Well, let's talk about those happy moments. What has been your proudest moment as a mama? Gosh, um, I think my proudest moments are we have like this thing where we do like a family hug mm-hmm. um, at home. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, let's do a family hug, and like. Kevin and I sort of started it, and now Molly always does it. And I think, like, she just has this really sense of family. Like, mm-hmm. we don't say I in our house. We say our, you know, mm-hmm. like, or, like, we say we. Like, we yeah. don't do that. Instead yeah. of, like, you shouldn't do that, Molly. We mm-hmm. say we don't do that, Molly. So, mm-hmm. like, I feel like she has, like, a real sense of family, which is something I didn't really have growing up. My parents got divorced. My parents fought my whole life. We didn't really get into this, but they fought my whole life really, really bad. Like, where police would be called to the house. And um, I remember when they divorced when I, I think I, like, 11, 12, I was like, thank you. Like, I remember thanking them because it was so bad for so long. And I remember feeling like, why didn't you do this earlier? But then I remember, like, years later, it really hit me. Like, my parents are divorced. It was like a, it was like a late thing for me. Yeah. Um, but I think so for me, like, I just, I didn't have a sense of family growing mm-hmm. up. And I hate even saying that because I don't want my mom to listen to this and feel bad because I have a great mom. I have a great dad. But they just didn't have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. We didn't have, like, a lot of family traditions and you know, mm-hmm. my mom's family died, like, earlier on, like, her parents. And, you know, like, like whenever I see families, like, I'll watch some people on Instagram, like, you know, you know, you have different triggers on Instagram, right, of, like, oh, yeah. how you compare yourself to oh, others. Yeah. I don't really compare looks. Like, I don't, I guess I have some vanity. Yeah. Uh, we, we all, all do. do. But, like, I'm not like, oh, I wish I was as pretty as that girl. I, 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 I'd be lying if I said it wasn't there at all, but that's not the main thing yes. for me. Mm-hmm. The main thing for me that I compare myself with on others on Instagram is family. Like, when I watch somebody's Instagram story and they're having a big dinner and their grandparents are there and their aunts and uncles and the yeah. cousins and they're all together, like, yeah. <laughs> this is, like, therapy. It is. But it is. 
that is what like mm-hmm. really gets me because I'm like I want that mm-hmm. you know but you have it with your family mm-hmm. yeah and you have the opportunity to give oh, <laughs> um, to give those memories to, to Molly, Molly so Marty, that like yeah. that won't be her thing right like she'll look at that and she'll just see familiarity she'll be like oh my god their family's just like ours because you guys, you and Kevin are going to create that for her. That's the beauty of, I do think, of parenting is that it's like you can rewrite any of the stories that you don't. Yeah, that's the best part. And that's almost why I want to have another kid. Like, yeah. I've, I've, you mean I two. always joke. Ten more kids. No. Remember. Don't forget no. Randy doesn't want that middle child. <laughs> well, I always, it's like when people ask me, do you want another kid? I'm like, no. Because like, no. Yeah. But like part of me is like I want to build that little family. Mm-hmm. But one thing Kevin and I have always said is like we don't have to have a baby of our own to build that family. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like. If in three years we decide that our family is incomplete, like we would very seriously consider mm-hmm. adoption because yeah. we could grow our family and there's so many kids that I know it's not easy at all. So I know it would be a process, um, but that would that's something we have discussed mm-hmm. numerous times and 100%. we'll see if that kind of uh, becomes the thing for us. But you know what's really funny too? I just want to call out somebody on Instagram. I don't know her name, but it. it's so funny. One person on Instagram even said to me once, oh, you obviously must not be a good person because you don't have all, like, friends over your house all the time like this person on Instagram. Ew. What? Yeah, like, they called out the fact that this other girl on Instagram who they follow <laughs> has, like, family and friends over and gatherings all the time. But maybe you, you don't be... want to capture that yeah. first You're of like, all. and she also has her phone out showing every moment. Like, yeah. Who the funny thing Ew. is, I was like, it's so annoying. You're right. I don't have those things. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. God. Like, stop it. I, like, it was, it was the most bizarre comment, but it literally... It hurt, hurt you. It, it hit, hit you. me in a way because that, like, I mean, you saw, I just got so emotional. Yeah. Like, that is the one thing. Like, even, I'm not trying to make yeah. you feel bad about this, early, but when I see you with your family mm-hmm. here, like, go out and you have these family galleries, like, I see that and I'm just like, I hope she knows how lucky she is. Yeah. Like, that is such a gift and, like, something that you can't buy that. You can, you can kind of build that, but not really, yeah. you know? Like, so, yeah. Anyway, oh everyone my. out there. Yeah. Have a friend over. Well, it's have funny. Like actually, <laughs> my friends Lisa and Myth, uh, who, Myth was the officiant at my wedding. They have actually like we have Thanksgiving with them every year, and so there is ways I feel like to bring friends in that can become like family. You but, can, um, you yeah. can. Or, but it's also for you. It's connected to a whole other story of your childhood. You know, yeah. it's like there's a lot there, so it makes perfect sense. I have to say, I'm like you guys. This is a great podcast. Like Aww. I hope everybody listening has enjoyed listening, I, or maybe you just don't care. But like, no. <laughs> but it's, I have to say, like. I feel like, at least for me, and I hope anybody was like, I feel like I've like gained insight into my life just by sitting here talking to you guys. And oh, I hope, I don't know, so I hope happy. somebody related to something in my story. Or And I think the honesty is super important. Like you've been really, really honest. And I think that that's the value that it provides mm-hmm. is people are going to feel that. Like I, that's why we, like, that's why I feel like all of us are slightly in tears because it's like, we feel it right now. There's a lot of honesty. There's a lot of sharing stories that aren't so easy. And that's the stuff that, if we want to see all the other stuff, we can scroll through Instagram. Mm-hmm. I want the unfiltered, I want to know, the raw. like I want to know those stories, and because that's where I can find my way of relating, and then I can look at things that you post, and I think, you know what, like I, if she can accomplish that, I can accomplish that because mm-hmm. now I know Allie. I know the kind of person Allie is. She can manage that, so can I. She can, because like you've been, and a lot of you guys don't know this, but so. Allie is one of the smartest business people I've ever met. And all of us at set, on set, we've talked about this on camera as well on the show because you will be like an agent. You will help us talk through things and figure things out. And I swear, the more I know you now even, the more 
the success that you found in your career and the ways that you look at things and the way that you have self-worth and stand up for what you're worth and the jobs that you bring in and all of those things, like it's even more um, expansive for me as an individual and like an entrepreneur thinking like I can accomplish what she's accomplished. I can bring in that kind of stuff. I can do those kinds of things because I relate so much to you and especially now. Thank you so, so much. This was absolutely fantastic so eye-opening i hope so it's helpful incredible. to everyone else yeah. as it was yeah i'm just to gonna us. call my therapist and <laughs> because i don't need it anymore you're good. i have you guys you're yeah. good thank you so much for being honest and vulnerable and just sharing like your real self with us thank you so you much know? thank you guys this was so fun so fun guys we're gonna put um links to everything for ali her instagram and her blog and everything that she's up so up to so make sure that you check out the links rate review and subscribe if you guys liked this one please tell us why we read all those comments and it means a lot to us so thank you thank you thank you we will see you guys next week bye, bye.